the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Got a special show planned for you today. Let's talk bubbles to start. We're going to go into one of the potential tech acquisitions that I think should happen, could happen, might happen. Vertically inclined companies want to get to $2 trillion, $3 trillion, $4 trillion. There's very few companies that can do it. And I'm looking at some companies right now that if they do the acquisition that I suggest, they will become worth $1 trillion. How's that for a tease for today? But first, I want to talk bubbles. Bubble, 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 bubble. Toil and trouble, right? Top 10 bubbles of all time from the home office in Flagstaff, Arizona. Number 10, Bitcoin. 2013, it was a bubble because it ran up and then it popped. Why did Mr. Bubble follow around Mrs. Bubble? Because he wanted to see her bust. Now, that's a little PG-13, but you get the idea. Number nine, the rhodium bubble of 2008. Number eight, the 2007 United States housing bubble. Number seven, the dot-com bubble of the 2000s. Number six on our top 10 bubble list is the Japanese bubble economy. What's interesting about these so far, they go chronologically. From newest to oldest. Number five on my bubble list is the bull market of the 20s from 1924 to 1929 when we'd come off the Great War, which we didn't know it was called World War I at the time because it was supposed to be the war that ended all wars until it didn't. And because it didn't end all wars, Europe is deeply scarred. Europe on a regular basis, if you ever travel to the United Kingdom and go from village to village to village, you'll see that they typically have a town square an area in the middle of the city where people can gather and look at the names of people who have died in 1918, the World War I, and then the World War II. Young men went off to war, so all that was left alive in many villages were young women, or the women, the young men, and the old men. They always thought the men would come back after the Great War. They never did. And they knew that, well, that was a sacrifice. It was the war to end all wars. And then Dang it, they got screwed and there was World War II. But I'm digressing into a history lesson on why people from the United Kingdom are, quite frankly, upset at the success of America. Because a lot of young men left the United Kingdom to come to America to find their fame and fortune, much like their fathers and grandfathers left the village to go fight the big wars. Number four on my list of top bubbles of all time, the railway mania. uh, mania. Number three, the South Sea bubble from 1711 to 1720. The Mississippi bubble from 1719 to 1720. And number one, the greatest bubble of all time, tulip mania from 1634 to 1638, where you could have bought a house 
in the Netherlands, or you could have bought a flower bulb. Ain't that something? <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, I can get into more modern bubbles like Cabbage Patch and Pokemon. When I was in, I want to say the 1980s, late 80s, early 90s, I heard something about Pokemon. And I was like, what's Pokemon? And I got educated from friends in the school system that said something along the lines of, it means pocket monster. I'm like, really? And it's a, a, a game that you play with cards. It's kind of like war where an ace beats a queen, a queen beats a jack, a jack beats a four, a four beats a two, and an ace beats them all, right? I do declare war. But that was a bit of a bubble because it's a piece of paper with print on it, and people were paying ten, twenty thousand $20,000 for a card. So where does this all go? I'm okay with bubbles. Let's talk about Britain's bicycle bubble. My favorite bubble, of course, is Mr. Bubble. More than a century ago, Britain had a bicycle bubble. It's very in tune with what we're seeing today with the non-fungible tokens, the NFTs, tech startups, or electric vehicle companies, where there's too many of them, and many of them are already starting to blow up. We're more than 10 years into a technology gold rush in some corners. Um, the EV, the NFTs, the tech startups, the electric vehicles, the fuel cells. There's a little bit of zaniness. There's a little bit of fades, a little bit of fads that fade. People lose fortunes. But bubbles, while messy, typically lead to progress. There's a boom and a bust, and there's some things that are left over. You can look at back at the first dot-com bubble of you know, uh, 2000, 2002, but the, the six, seven years of the late 90s leading up to it, there were some companies that came out winners. There was hundreds and thousands of companies that came out losers. But two or three came out pretty strong, including Google. A history of financial bubbles go back to the 1929 stock market crash. You can look at the most market crashes that the United States have had. There's a lot of root conditions that present themselves in bubbles, i.e., number one is borrowing money on the cheap. Whether it's the Federal Reserve that lowers the cost of money or it's people using margin, people saved up and then they want to invest and they want to get greedy when they feel they have something finally. Now there's meme stocks such as GameStop. There's hype about non-fungible tokens where I'm getting not hate mail, but people who hate the idea of buying digital art. I'm like, go with it. You didn't try to stop Cabbage Patch dolls and you certainly didn't try to stop Pet Rocks and you certainly didn't try to stop other fads, but now you want to stop NFTs and I get it. Tech-related bubbles are a little bit different because the boom and the bust, they tend not to ruin the world, like say the housing bubbles or the stock market bubbles. The tech bubbles tend to ruin people who get into stocks that they don't deserve to be in. You don't displace a person's life like a housing bubble where they get foreclosed on. Way back, 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 there was a bicycle bubble in England. The invention of the safety bicycle in the late 1800s, it was a revelation. The basic design lives on today. You may not think of technology and bicycles as going hand in hand, 
But back in the late 1800s, bicycles became a reliable and affordable way of transportation. It kicked off the mania of British bicycle manufacturers that went public, posting soaring stock prices and collapsing, ushering in new innovations like cars and motorcycles and road tires. Some of the bicycle pioneers are still around. Companies like Amazon have survived and thrived through the dot-com bubble. But same with the bicycle companies. And it, what it leaves behind are useful pipes, so to speak, to build upon. The cryptocurrency collapse several years ago led to a better underlying technology such as blockchain, and we get it. The bubble mania can be distracting. The perspective of a lot of people in tech and finance is that manias or frenzies drive attention, excitement, enthusiasm to something new. I believe that bubbles were relatively rare between the 1920s and the 1980s, but they become more and more so popular with modern life as money and information travel around the world quicker. Bubbles aren't bad. Foolish investments are. Try to discern the t- between the two. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. A little AJR bringing us in. Thanks for listening to the show. Next segment, not this segment, I'm going to talk about an acquisition that must happen to take a company to the next level or one of the most popular tech companies that you know will suffer for it. If they don't get to the next level, they're going to be looking up at Apple and Microsoft for a long time. But first, let's talk about one of the things that happened in 2021 where we had a three or four, five bad day period where we're like, is this a bear market starting? What's going on? But we saw it in specific stocks like CBS Viacom. We're like, why is that down 25% in one day? And then as it always happens, the money trail comes out and we're like, oh, a hedge fund blew up. Let's talk about our cheagles. Let's talk about why a hedge fund blows up, because they use leverage. I don't find it impressive when someone goes, I'm in the pro funds that are three times as strong as the NASDAQ up or down. And I think the market's going down right now, Rapture. I'm going three times negative. I think anytime you use leverage, you're going to lose. First and foremost. And it can be small leverage like margin, or it can be big leverage like options. Or derivatives on top of options, on top of margin. If it's kind of what happened here. If you use $15 of your own money and you borrow $85 from your broker to buy $100 of stock, you ultimately have 85% leverage. If that stock goes up to $200, you're down to 42% leverage, yet you still owe the broker $85. But you have $200 worth of stock. If the stock then falls 25% to $150, you're still in the black and your broker still has ample security for the loan. It's a great thing that happens when you ride a stock market higher and momentum higher. But you can see how it falls apart quickly and you become over leveraged when things don't go your way. So Archie Goals, capital management, 
It's a family office, ultimately a former Tiger Asia manager, Bill Huang. Ultimately, Archigos extracted as much leverage as possible from half a dozen Wall Street banks to buy a concentrated portfolio of tech stocks, cheating. Ultimately, what they've done is over-leveraging to make them look smarter than what they were. And they just thought the market was going to hold up and push higher. And it didn't. And some of the positions went sideways. And that's when the brokers get nervous, like we want our money back. One big position was Viacom CBS, which was $12.43 $12 one year ago. Ain't that something? It got as high as $100 back in March. One year ago, 12 bucks. And this is Viacom CBS. This is the Tiffany freaking fracking network. This is one of the crown jewels of U.S. media. This is 60 minutes. Baidu went from $97 to $339 in that same year. So you can see how media and tech and tech media did really, really well. A lot of riches were accrued in a 12 to 14 month period. If you put $1 billion of your own money up to buy $7 billion stocks and those stocks quadruple over a year, you'd have $21 billion. The incredible thing about what, Will, what Bill Huang and Archigo's Capital did was that they made enormous levered bets on top of risky stocks. Which, again, I'm a moderation and moderation kind of guy. I'll go with the Brady method of drinking beer. One beer, one glass of water. One beer, one glass of water. And you'll find that you fill up pretty quickly. So Viacom fell to $100. At the, um, fell from $100 at its peak all the way down to $48. So it went from $11 to $100, $100 to $48. That's still not bad. But when you leverage it, you find yourself over-leveraged. Quain kept borrowing. When it went up, he kept borrowing. He got almost addicted to it. I don't, I can't speak to that. And I don't want to use the word addicted because that I'm, I don't want to get slandered or, or libeled or I don't want to hurt anyone ever. It's not my goal. I used to take certain glee in, in wishing horrible things on people to their face, but I don't anymore. I wasn't a bully like with my fists, but if you pushed me, my, my, my tongue slashed you. And I don't like that anymore. It makes me feel horrible. So Viacom really got messed up because why was it moving higher, 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 higher? Was it fundamentals? Was it because Rob Black and your money wanted to own it? Was it because you? Was it because the general American population was like, you know what? We're taking a look at what Disney's doing. They've got a streamer. They've rock and rolled. We're taking a look at Nesdy. Netflix, they're rocking and rolling. We're taking a look at Peacock. Everyone's rocking and rolling. Everyone's doing well in streaming. And CBS has a lot of stuff. They've got movies. They've got TV shows. They got Star Trek. I know you're saying that's not really something we're talking about. But here's the schematic of it. I wrote this down on a napkin yesterday. My son was doing math and I was like, I got to come up with some content. And I make sure he tries the problem first before I show him how to do it. And we were doing area of irregular shapes which took me back to why the hell do I know this? But here's how you lose money with a hedge fund fast and how a hedge fund screws up the market. 
You start with a lot of money, hedge fund. You borrow a lot more money, use all that money to buy a ton of stocks, not very many, but you corner the market. And CBS is like, hey, look at me. I'm going from 11 to 20, 20 to 30, 30 to 40. Why am I going so high? 40 to 50, 40 to 50, 60. What, what, what's carrying this higher? It just wasn't an oversold market due to the pandemic. It was a little bit of promise on the streaming, but there was no fundamentals, no revenue, no earnings to say this makes sense. A little bit like GameStop, if you will, but with a real company that's going to survive. As the prices go up, you get more equity, your positions automatically deleverage. Use that equity to borrow even more money and plow it back into the stocks, pushing them up even more. You repeat, start one, start with a lot of money, borrow a lot more money, use all that money to buy a small handful of stocks. And suddenly you corner a market on a, a on not liquid stocks. And then in late March, Viacom CBS announced plans to sell new shares to the public. It wanted to pull some of that winning out from going from 10 to 100 and start using some of that money to pay down some of their debt. And that's when things changed for Mr. Wang and Archigo's capital. So the margin call came in and let's just say he's out of business. And let's just say you're going to hear in the month of April and May, banks from Europe who lent money lose billions and billions and billions of dollars. The banks are going to get be the ones hurt. The public got caught up in it, but it's past the public now. It's on the bank's balance sheets. That's why I don't leverage, and that's why I don't believe in hedge funds for the average person. And that's why leverage will kill you, eh, financially speaking. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So you're going to figure out where this segment's going by the two jokes that I start the segment with. I'm not the biggest fan of Facebook, right? I think it's cute. It is what it is. I have an account. I have a work account. It's all good. One of my accounts is I hate Rob Black. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke. You can go sign up. But one of the accounts that I wanted to come up with was the name Nobody. That was going to be my alter ego Facebook account. And I think we all should have alter ego Facebook accounts. Not so we can catfish some unsuspecting love potential of our life. But just so we can mess with our children. I want to make a Facebook account and name it nobody. So when I see people post cat videos, people post videos about politics, I can like it. And when they go to look at their account, it says, nobody likes this. <laughs> I'll be here all day. Now, my second one was when I was more of a dating man. Believe it or not, Facebook was around. It wasn't like we were communicating with the uh, Hammurabi uh, alphabet or anything like that. But my Facebook name, my second Facebook name, if it was going to be nobody, it was going to be benefits. So when someone added me on Facebook, it would say, and I'm looking for like members of the opposite sex who I was attracted to. It would say, you are now friends with benefits. Okay. 
my bumper sticker business never, ever, ever actually works, but I like the idea of starting a bumper sticker business. That's what my generation had that were called memes. We would put snarky sayings on our, our, our cars, which turned into snarky sayings on digital photos, which turned into bleh. But behind every successful student, there's a deactivated Facebook account. Okay, now I'm done with that. Now let's move on to LG. LG has officially quit making phones. In 2021, they pulled the plug. They were one of the top five phone makers of all time, in my opinion. You can look at Nokia, you can look at Ericsson, you can look at Motorola. Palm tried to do it a little bit. Danger, if you look at Danger, Microsoft acquired a company called Danger, who was based out of Palo Alto, where they had one of the early clamshells that had uh, imaging on it, or it had the digital pixels. It was cool. I actually dated someone who worked at Danger, but she only worked there from like 10 o'clock in the evening to six in the morning. So she did tech in the middle of the night. So we had an odd relationship to say the least, because I did morning radio, of course. But if you look at the history of cell phones, the worst phone ever, not the worst, but the top five worst phones ever from the home office in Phoenix, Arizona, was the LG G Flex, number five. It was curved. It was a concept made by engineers to make it interesting. It was flexible. It was the GE or the G Flex, the LG Flex. A phone with significantly curved display, promising levels of immersion that were previously impossible from a flat slab. It had 720p screen, but it never really did immersion justice. It never really did what we wanted it to do. The LG V10, it boiled down to premium. That was their selling point. The LG G5 was the third worst phone of all time. It was a modular phone, so you could take the microphone part of the bottom out, put in the battery, upgrade the screen, upgrade the camera. It was modular, and you could buy different parts. You could upgrade them over time. It was a great idea. Motorola tried a similar idea, but failed experiment. Number three, the LG Optimus 3D. Are you seeing a trend here? The five worst phones are all the LG phones. And the LG Optimus VU, VU, which had a little pen stylus on it. Um, it was square. And never ever in your life have you gone, dang it, I wish I had a square phone. So LG quit making phones. And I think this is a really, really big story in my world. Because... You see a company like Microsoft, not really a phone company, but you see companies like Apple phone company. You saw Amazon try, Microsoft had a phone and failed. Amazon had a phone and failed. Facebook had a phone and failed. Um, to get above the status that you're currently at in social media, you need a phone. Again, this is just my opinion. But Facebook needs to buy LG. I listened to Kara Swisher talk the other day and I love Kara Swisher. Um, she's one of those people that really understands the tactile touch feel of tech. Scott Galloway, I think it's the brand of tech really well. And I think if you can kind of pull together people in your life that you say they're good at this, they're good at that. Half a billion Facebook users information has been posted on a hacking website. We learned that in 2021. This was from a hack that happened several years ago, but now it's starting to resurface. There's records of your name, your phone number, your birthday, your location. 
32 million accounts in the United States, 11 million accounts in the United Kingdom, 6 million accounts in India were all affected. And yet app, uh, Facebook stock is at an all-time high. It's risen 120% since the end of 2019, i.e. right before the pandemic. So it went through a very difficult time and it did nicely. The breach wasn't just a breach, it was heinous. That information's making its way through the dark web right now. And no one seems to care. Facebook doesn't take your data seriously. Apple does. Apple has gone on record saying, we will protect your data from your government. Facebook is like, we will exploit your data for our advertisers. It's two very different business models. Facebook could afford to pay any fine any government wants to throw at it. I own shares of Facebook, I own shares of Apple for the record. How did Facebook get unscathed by this? Back in the late 1990s, every time Microsoft would announce, oh, we have to do an update because there's a security patch. In the late 1990s, we were coming up with internet protocols fast and furious, and there was stuff going wrong all the time. Unregulated monopolies are the best businesses in the world. And Facebook has an unregulated monopoly. Zuckerberg feels to me a lot like the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, where Saudi Arabia has oil and they got nothing else. Saudi Arabia really wants to be a computering haven. Saudi Arabia really wants to be a tourist destination. Saudi Arabia wants to be a lot of things that they're just not good at. But dang it, they get oil well. Facebook recognizes they're not an operating system like Apple, and they're not hardware like Apple. They've got 10,000 people right now at Facebook developing augmented reality and virtual reality headsets. Because that would be a platform that Facebook can grow into with their own operating system. The company wants to be a trillion dollar company. Facebook desperately needs hardware. So they bought Oculus. It's been pushed off to the side. It's been kind of quiet. Apple's moving into augmented reality. We expect an uh, Apple augmented reality headset this year or at the latest early next year. And the only reason it want to be this year is because they may not be able to have time to have a splashy event with a lot of press. But it's happening. Apple's not in the social media business. They don't have as many points of conflict, as many points of trouble as Facebook does. They don't have to live together with their hardware and their software and their social media. The social media is not a thing for Apple. Facebook had that oh, Facebook home. It's hardware that you know you can make a phone call to grandma on. You can make friends, and it gets sticky because are they listening to our calls with grandma? Apple is way behind in smart speakers. So is Facebook. Apple has recently said, we need to cut down on the smart speaker 399 price point down to 99 because Google got that right. People like me in the past incorrectly said Apple should buy Sonos. No, Apple should, should make a cheap 
speaker. You got to plug it in and it's got to work. Amazon's figured that as well. Now, Amazon had a 3D phone not that long ago, and that was a massive flop. If Google can't figure out a phone, can Facebook figure out a phone? Pixel was supposed to be a great product. It never really materialized. And they basically outsourced to companies like LG. LG has said, yeah, we're going out of the phone business, but we will continue to support Android updates for two or three years. Google was a huge loser when LG gave up. Facebook needs to make a bold move today before Microsoft does, before Roku does, before Alphabet Google does. Those are the companies that I think should make a play without a doubt in my mind for LG smartphone business. I expect something to be announced sooner rather than later. And again, if I were to repeat the names, I would say Facebook. It's the face of social media for good and bad. Roku, where do cord cutters go when they sever the cable or satellite connection? Many fire up their Roku or Roku-enabled TV. Um, to make a cell phone, you have to get glass, you got chipsets, you got to get a lot of technology and put it together. And LG did it. Now, Netflix is the wild card. They should buy LG because Netflix doesn't have hardware like Apple does. Apple says, hey, I can copy Netflix. We have the hardware. Netflix can't copy Apple. LG's assets are up for sale. Someone needs to make a move. I've told you who the players are. I want Roku instead of Facebook to make the move. But that's me being greedy. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So I've promised more social media in 2021. I've been developing a podcast idea. Now I'm developing a second podcast idea. I haven't lost, launched the first podcast idea. But I promise I'm going to get to all these projects sooner than later. Um, why? Because I think there's a lot of people out there giving crap advice. Just awful. And what I know is finances, and I know that my own day-to-day -day life isn't what I expected it, and it's not easy. I'm considered wealthy, and I look back, and I, I, there's so many things I would change. And yet, I'm living the dream. <laughs> not so much, right? So there's one person I absolutely hate in the industry. It's Dave Ramsey. I'm not here to start a war or anything like that. I'm not trying to do anything like that. I just, I find that he is in the business to get you to buy stuff from him and not to necessarily give you good advice. There's no take it or leave it. There's nothing like that. It's kind of like, you're stupid if you don't do this. And I don't think his advice is very good at all. Um, one of the jokes that I make on the air is when I've listened to a show in the past, you'll hear, and this is just a knock on middle America. This is me being mean because it's a reflection of his show is he grow, he rose to, to fame, not on wall street, not on, you know, portfolio management, not on being an analyst, but on appealing to lower educated people about financial issues because they felt like they were left behind, which is fine. I'm not saying he's all evil. Like, I don't really like Kramer, but I think he's pretty good. I wish he didn't get people excited to buy, 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 buy. I wish he had, you know, now he, he's changed his tune. 
in the last 10 years, he goes, stop trying to, you know, if you want to buy GameStop, buy it for the fundamentals, buy it for the long term. And if you think it's gone from 10 to 200 and you think buying it at 200 is long term, you're wrong. And I agree with, with Kramer on that. But if you want to buy it at 10, sure. Buy it for the long term. Anyway, so Ramsey has like practical ways to save money. He He's a, a machine. And one of the things, like there's so much negative press, like there's a company called Glassdoor where people write about working for the company. And I saw something recently about a woman getting fired for basically being having premarital sex and being pregnant. I'm like, is that even legal? And apparently it is at his company, but there's a lawsuit. But what a weird world we live in. Um, I, if I were her, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble here. I'd claim it was uh, immaculate because he kind of appeals to the religious crowd. <laughs> you can't fire me. It's immaculate. I didn't do anything. I know, I know you're saying, Rob, you're bastardized one of your own jokes. That was the joke I was going to tell my mom <laughs> if I ever got pregnant before I was supposed to. Anyway, um, drop that topic, Rob. Some humor doesn't fly, and some flies like cement shoes. Anyway, um, practical ways to save debt. Back to Dave Ramsey. I pulled up one of his lists, and say goodbye to debt is number one. Monthly debt payments are the biggest money suck when it comes to saving. Debt robs you of your income, so it's about time to get rid of that debt. And he's got a debt snowball method. Yeah, I, I, of course. Any debt over 6%, 7%, you should pay off. And you should pay off before you have an emergency fund, and you should pay off before you save. It's not exactly rocket science to save that. say that. Stock market averages 7 to 10%. If you're being charged more than 7% on money you borrowed. But the bigger question is, why did you borrow? I borrowed in college. It was the last time that I seriously had trouble paying my debt. And it was for things like pizza and dinner dates with girls. Oh, and a book here or two. You know, there's college tuition books, which Biden could be my hero and regulate that business. <laughs> How about cutting down on groceries? That's Dave Ramsey's number two tip. American families of four with two kids, five and under, probably spending $929. Um, yeah. Put down the Oreos, put down the bag of chips. Yeah, I get it. To me, that's more important to know, like, uh, just follow what you're spending and have a budget. And if you have something that's opulent, try to cut it out. And if you're not saving money and you're, you know, drinking $12 of Coke, there's your problem. Try to drink $12 of, of tap water. It'll go a lot further for you. Cancel automatic subscriptions and memberships. No doubt. He's good with that one. Netflix, Hulu, Spotify, gym memberships, they start to add up. I've canceled a gym membership in the past. I've canceled a media membership in the past or media subscription in the past because I just didn't feel like I was getting my money's worth. Um, my favorite piece of advice is buy generic over name brands. So when I go to Safeway or Lenardi's, a high-end market, when I get tomato sauce, I get the, the signature brand. I get the store brand. It'll save me a buck or two per can. And then wait, wait. For my guests who visit my house, because I like to make red sauces, I'll have like an Italian jar of red sauce, a can of red sauce that has Italian writing on it. 
as decoration on the counter, but they're getting served the signature product. There's no difference. There's no difference between Rotten Robbie's gasoline and Exxon's gasoline. Exxon pays for Super Bowl commercials. Rotten Robbie's doesn't. State of California says your your mixtures have to be this. It can't, can't have pollutants in it. Blah, it's done. So I don't really mind Dave Ramsey as much as I hate that the fact that he's giving you advice. It's really simple to Google. It's really, when I talked about margin earlier in the show, you may not have known that. When I talked about Facebook should integrate with a hardware company, get a phone so that they don't have to listen to Apple and Apple's like, well, we're going to turn off notifications. We're going to stop people. You're going to stop you from tracking people. Apple can send a middle finger or Facebook could send the middle finger to Apple by buying LG's phone business. I want to see Ramsey do that. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com.